Welcome to Mindset Win Uncut, a version of the podcast where we give you a full-length interview with a guest who's already featured in the series, but this time with no interruptions. Today we have a real treat for fans of Formula One as we welcome the longest-serving team principal on the grid, Christian Horner. Christian has led Oracle Red Bull Racing to more than 90 race victories, six drivers and five constructors world championship titles. We've had two episodes with Christian, one where we focused on the power of enjoyment and the other where we talked about improving your focus. But the interview was packed with even more insights and first-hand experience from the top end of Formula One and we really wanted to share all of it with you. I'm Christian Horner, team principal and CEO of Oracle Red Bull Racing. I've never done a management course in my life. I left school after my A-levels at the age of 18. I grew up in the university of life. I came through an education of initially being a driver, then creating my own team, driving for that team, and having to come up effectively the hard way of whether it was booking the hotels, doing the VAT returns, going out and getting the piece of the mechanics, washing the truck, cutting the sandwich for the sponsors, and then, oh, by the way, you've got to drive the car. And I think having come up through the industry in the way that I did, that was an education in itself, having to find the money, go and find the sponsorship, find the funding, beg and borrow from the bank, and being hugely dependent on delivering results. And I think that's something that, you either have something within you that has an ambition and a d desire that burns within or or you don't. And I don't think you can teach that. You know, I have two brothers. Uh, we have the same parents, but we're all very different characters. Preparation is everything because the hard work is done behind the scenes. And the execution of a good Grand Prix weekend is basically the execution of the planning that has gone into the event. So that is done, you know, weeks in advance, months in advance in many respects. But... Of course, I'm f following and tracking that progress you know, prior to a Grand Prix. So that is all a building process. You're getting the feedback from the drivers, you're hearing the engineers, you're, you're forming your own opinion. I mean, the cars, fundamentally, it's got to be reliable. Your strategy's got to be strong. Your pit stops have got to be reliable. You know, you've got to, your preparation for the weekend, the, the work that you do in the free practice, the qualifying, and it's working through step by step. I think it's in the week build up to the race that you're thinking about the race, you're looking at what are the characteristics of the venue that you're going at, what's the weather forecast, how is the car behaving, what developments do we have. So it, it's a gradual build up and then you get a bit of thinking time, obviously, usually on the flight on the way to a venue. And then during the Grand Prix weekend, I will attend various briefings to understand uh, how we're faring, how we're shaping up, particularly the strategic meetings. You know, my schedule during a Grand Prix weekend is flat out and I have to be quite disciplined to ensure that I get that time to concentrate on what is the fundamental part of my job. Well, the reason I like to be on the pit wall is that you're, you're front and central and you're involved uh, intrinsically in the race. So our pit wall is one of the few pit walls that actually has a window in it because I want to be able to see the cars. I want to be able to see the proximity of the car that's following, for example, or if we're you know close behind or getting a run on on the car ahead. Your senses are picking up, you know, if there's a car that comes in with a, a brake issue or a tire issue, you can 
pick that up, you smell it. The noise is mainly cancelled out by the the headphones that you're wearing. But again, you've got that that background noise. So if, if an engine does sound slightly off tune, then again, you pick that up. So your senses are all heightened during that two hour period because it's a, a very intensive uh, time. In that moment in time, you're almost in the car with the drivers. And of course, the television feed is two seconds or three seconds behind reality. So you hear the cars accelerate, but then there's this awful moment before before watching, seeing what happens uh, and unfold on the TV. So we actually have a GPS tracker of all the cars. So I tend to be watching the GPS as well as the screen because that's the first indication that it gives me as to have we maintained position, have we gained a position, or have we lost a position. Always to have the same points, but I would say of the race calendar, the one that's the most unique, simply because the circumstances are different, is Monaco. So Monaco, you're not the pit wall isn't on the isn't on the pit wall. You're upstairs above the garage. You can't see the expression in the mechanics' faces. You're slightly removed. The intensity of that race, the proximity, everything is just closer. The fans are closer. The grid's crazy. The build-up is crazy, and it's very intense. So that race of all the races is slightly different. I mean, I have a procedure that personally I've followed since I was racing myself, and then some may say it's superstition, but I think for me it's just a, a process of getting yourself in the right frame of mind and in the moment so um you know whether it's a, a almost like a ritual that you have as you prepare for the race whether it's approaching the car from the right hand side as the driver sits in it to wish them luck to uh, where i stand in the garage for the start all of those little things are crucial it, it sort of evolved you know slightly over the years you know i got into a habit of tying my shoelaces before a race now and you just add bits to it. It's just a process that you go through, I think, in order to get yourself in the groove. You see it with drivers sometimes. They're all different individuals. There's different things suit different people. And so they'll all have their own individual way of going about it. They get in the car only from one side. Some drivers put the helmet on before they get in the car. Some put the helmet on in the car. Some put the gloves on left hand first. I think you've just got to give them that freedom and that space to, you know, to do that. There's no set rule for any any individual, and I think it's whatever floats their boat. Since I was 13, I've always had a, a lucky toilet at a Grand Prix circuit, which, you know, when it's a busy paddock and your lucky toilet is the one that's in use, can sometimes be slightly awkward. It came about that when I was at 13 years of age, I ended up um, at a go-kart track and there was about, you know, 15 toilets there. I went for a pee in this one toilet and won the race. So I thought, okay, well, I'll stick to that toilet. And, you know, it's something that's followed me through my entire career. Each circuit will have a lucky toilet, to be honest with you. So uh, the good thing is that the European races, we have our own facilities. So that, that is fine. But probably it gets a little bit more tricky when you're in Brazil and there's there's 200 people queuing for the toilets and you're lingering around waiting for the special one. You stick to the guidelines, but you know, how far do you take it? I mean, 
you could say, well, I've won the race wearing this watch. I'll wear that watch at the remaining races. Or, you know, do you have lucky underwear, for example? Where do you draw the line? So otherwise, you have to be a little bit careful. Otherwise, it can, can consume everything that you're doing. But I think for me, I think you stick to the basics. And for me, that's it's just a way of of getting into the zone of the race because there's so much noise, there's so much commotion, there's media, there's press, there's sponsors, there's partners, there's meet and greets, there's all of that going on. And I want to be absolutely focused for a Grand Prix, which, you know, they tend to go incredibly quickly. And I want to make sure that I'm fully focused. I see that your your mind is like a processor and is not to overclutter it with rubbish. So focus on the stuff that's important. If we start on the countdown from the grid, so the grid is a very busy place. So um, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of people on there. There's reporters, journalists, sponsors, partners. But that gradually starts to thin away as you get to the 10 minute board. And that's where suddenly it's about the team and the drivers. So, you know, I'm wanting to see the drivers get into the car. I'm often watching how they look getting into the car. I can often see that there's a there's a confidence you know, with the drivers as they step in. And indeed, they're going through their own, you know, process or ritual. And then it's a question of, you know, speaking briefly with the engineers, just making sure that the race engineers, you know, are happy with where their car's at or where their driver's at. And then my process is that I will always go and shake the driver's hand. I'll approach the car from the right-hand side. And, you know, they've come to expect that now. They're part of that, you know, that ritual as well in many respects. And I'll offer some last minute encouragement or advice. And then it's a walk back to the garage. I watch the start of the race from in the garage. I'm listening to the radio, obviously, ensuring that because the command comes from the pit wall to make sure everybody has that radio communication to stick their hand in the air. And so I'm looking to make sure that that's all in check and that there's a serenity, you know, in the garage, particularly, you know, with a wet, dry scenario there's often a lot of activity going on in and around the garage so i'll watch the race from the garage there's a delay in the transmission there's even a delay between the different screens so i'll pick the quickest screen um to watch but i'll have the gps in the corner of my eye to see have we made a good start or not i'll watch three quarters of the first lap to make sure that things have started to settle and at that point i'll walk across to the pit wall trying to avoid being run over by the safety car that's hurtling down the pit lane at that point in time, plug into the intercom and then join the pit wall for the Grand Prix and it's straight into the strategic options that are presented there and working with the strategists in terms of how the race is going to unfold. There is a lot of moving parts, but I mean, I think some of it you just go through on autopilot because if you know your subject, I think it's reasonably easy to deal with. I think you know what's constantly at the forefront of your mind is you know the race the strategy in the race the what if scenarios what if we get a bad start what if we lose a front wing what if you know one car has an issue my biggest fear is that a driver gets hurt because it's a dangerous sport you don't know when you shake that driver's hand whether that's the last time you're going to see them all and people underestimate the danger that's involved you know, in Formula One, it has got a lot safer. But at the back of your mind, there is always that fear that, you know, these drivers are doing unbelievable speeds and doing unbelievable things around street circuits. And so that is always your biggest fear. You know, I don't want to jinx things in in certain ways. That's a, my own personal thing where, 
for example, in Monte Carlo, there's always a dinner for the winner that the team principal has to attend, and it's a black tie dinner. And I've never once taken a black tie with me to the event because I don't want to presume that you know we're going to win. I'd rather have a panic, someone go and find a DJ or borrow it off a waiter or whatever for the evening. So, you know, I'm not being presumptuous in any way. I haven't picked who will go to the podium before the race. I might have a few names at the back of my mind, but I'll decide that, you know, in the closing couple of laps. Crucial races, I mean, Abu Dhabi 2021, where everything is more heightened because there's so much at stake, was probably one of the most anticipated and viewed races in Formula 1. Because it wasn't just about Abu Dhabi. It was a titanic battle between two great drivers and two immense teams. And it was coming after a period of domination that the sport had never seen before. Um, So there was the intensity of that battle throughout the year that the whole organization feels. So I think you just focus on the basics. Do the basics well. Don't try and be too clever. Don't try and be too trick. And, you know, obviously the strategies that you adopt, they're presented and there's an element of risk and reward and you don't want to be irrational. You don't want to take irresponsible risk, but sometimes you've got to push the boundaries. You know, going into that race, I spoke to the whole team before the race. I said, look, whatever the outcome of this Grand Prix is, just go out there and enjoy it. You've worked all season to get to this position where we're tied on points going into the final race of the year. Whatever happens, it's been an incredible season and and the whole team had done an, an unbelievable job. So don't put pressure on yourself. Enjoy it and embrace the nerves. And I think on that day, you know, we did exactly that. And, you know, others tighten when the big pressure points come. And I think it's the big pressure moments that define individuals. And I think being pretty balanced, keeping your feet on the ground, I think they're the critical elements for success. Our drivers, and particularly Max, in dealing with the big pressure moments is phenomenal. And I think as a team, again, we've demonstrated our ability to deal with, you know, those pressure points. Seeing your car cross the line, become the world champion, it's it's an incredible feeling because suddenly you realize the pressure that you've been under. It's like physically and mentally something just absolutely lifts from your shoulders and then you suddenly certainly on on that day become overcome with emotion because suddenly you realize the pressure that you've carried for the previous 11 months and the intensity and the the scrutiny that that comes with and you know just a pure amount of hard work and the mentally how taxing you know, that is because in this business, you're judged in everything that you do extremely publicly. So suddenly it's like a huge release. Your body just, you can literally feel a lightness, you know, coming about you that suddenly this huge pressure, this huge weight has been lifted. And it was an unbelievable feeling, an emotional feeling because it was an emotional roller coaster. And it wasn't just about that year. It was about the years building up to that moment in time. And I think, you know, the British, we're all a bit stiff off a lip and, you know, hide your emotions. And I think that uh, sometimes you've got to let that go. You've got to feel and, and embrace the moment. And then I think the first time we won the championship in 2010, again, it was that first time you're going through that emotions. And, and the fact there was four drivers going into that final Grand Prix capable of winning the, the championship. And for your guy to come out on top was just a feeling of absolute elation.
you know, and then to celebrate with the team and to see the joy that it brings to every member of the team, I think it's hugely important. But quickly that then changes into, okay, you know, that's done. Focus on the next race, the next season, the next the next challenge. So uh, it's always looking forward rather than backwards. Enjoy the moment, bank it, and move on. When you're at the top, you know, everybody's... Uh, you're in everybody's eyeline and everybody wants wants to knock you off that top spot. So I think being the hunter is always easier when you're doing the chasing, when the expectation isn't there than being the hunted where suddenly you've got that added pressure of expectation. It's the fear of failure. It's never enough. You know, there's always that fear of what well, we want on the weekend, but did we have a few little niggling reliabilities issues? Will we be as competitive at the next track? Um, Formula One is such a pressured business that we need to keep pushing when you know the quality of the other teams is so high and the caliber of, of people across all the different organizations is so high and so driven and so competitive that you've got to be at the top of your game. Because if you're standing still in this business, you're going backwards. It's always being self-analytical. It's like, where can we be better? Where can we improve? Where can we, as a team, as an individual, how can I, how can the team be better? You're just always learning, you're always evolving. And I think, you know, when you're a youngster coming in, you're full of bravado and confidence, but what you don't have is is the experience. And I think now I'm obviously better equipped than I was when I came into the sport because of the experiences that I've been through. It's something I've become more aware of as, you know, I've got older and I think uh, particularly as you have a family and so on, uh, Formula One is such a competitive business. If you're not careful, it can consume your entire life. The racetrack is obviously full on and it's very intense, but you know, usually on a Saturday evening, I try and keep that free, you know, to have dinner with close colleagues. That's important that you just get a chance to catch your breath. Sleep is also incredibly important that you're, that you're well rested. I try and ensure that I get seven hours sleep. You just function better if you're well rested and you just have clearer your head and thoughts if, if you had a decent night's sleep. So, you know, I don't drink over a Grand Prix weekend and I'll be pretty disciplined in, you know, my timings. I've always been a great believer in consistency. And when you look at, you know, our senior management here, the senior technical team, there's longevity across the whole business. Of course, we're developing young talent and every organization is always evolving. And I've never understood the football model of the hire and firing of of football managers because you think, well, hang on, how do you ever achieve any continuity? And indeed, some of the most successful teams have had great continuity, whether it be uh, Man United with um, Alex Ferguson or Arsene Wenger at Arsenal. And so, you know, it is a marathon. It's not a sprint. You have to be pretty disciplined to have longevity. And I think that, you know, you want to worry about the things you can control, not the things that you can't, because otherwise that's just wasted energy. And I think that if you're disciplined with your time as well, you, you need that period of time to reset. It's not healthy to be running at 100% for 100% of the time. You need to give yourself that period of time to just let your shoulders drop and, you know, take in a breath and let your mind be somewhere else other than at a, at a racetrack or in the problems of the business. And uh, I think that's very important to be able to compartmentalize. Everybody thinks that after the last race, everybody goes on holiday for a couple of months. The reality is we have 10 days over Christmas and that's your lot. But 
your mind within a very short space of time is like, okay, we've achieved this. We've achieved the number one on a car. We've achieved being world champion. I don't want to let that go. You know, I don't want that to be taken away from us. So it's that motivation. It's always the fear of failure that again starts to drive you very quickly, you know, for the following year. So uh, it's important to have that breath at Christmas. What tends to happen is you always get ill because suddenly your body you know, relaxes and you always pick up a cold or whatever, but to have that 10 day period over the Christmas New Year break, recharge the batteries, spend the time with family and friends, and then boom, by the time you get to the 4th, 5th of January, you're fully engaged and wanting to get on with it. You know, long term in Formula One is about three weeks. I mean, you've got the short term, you know, issues and we're judged every two weeks very publicly you know, on a TV screen in terms of our performances scrutinized. But you have to have an eye on the bigger picture and whether that be with personnel or drivers or, or, or sponsors or, you know, technical, whether it's, for example, the engine for 2026 is a massive task, taking a startup business to take on the might of all these different OEMs that will be in Formula One in 2026 as a subsidiary, as an energy drinks manufacturer to produce our own engine and develop that engine. And we've got you know, 36 months in order to do that is a massive challenge. So of course you're, you're constantly balancing with the immediacy, the medium term and the longer term. You've got to be competitive. You've got to be hungry. You've got to have a desire and inner drive to want to win. Um, Formula One is one of the most competitive sports in the world. It's the biggest team sport in the world. But if you don't enjoy it, what's the point? And, you know, my view has always been, if you enjoy what you do, you'll just do it that much better. So it's not just about it being a job. It has to be a passion. It has to be a desire. And there has to be a hunger and, you know, a real determination to want to succeed. And I think that it's important then to celebrate success because you're not going to win every race. You're not going to win every world championship. So to embrace and enjoy that moment in time because you don't know when the next one is going to be and to hold on to that feeling and remember what that feeling is like so that on the bad days and the tough days, you know what you're aspiring to to get back to that winning feeling. When you walk into a Red Bull garage, you'll hear the music playing loud, you'll feel an energy, you'll feel a vibe, you'll see people with a smile on their face. If you walk around the factory, you'll feel that sense of you know urgency and desire so culture is is so important and it's a mindset and having a can-do attitude and that's something that is the life and soul of who we are yes we are positioned differently we are a bit of a maverick we're not afraid to take on the establishment we don't accept no for an answer you know we're prepared to push the boundaries but to think that a subsidiary of an energy drink can take on Mercedes-Benz or Ferrari or other automotive manufacturers and come out on top. People would have thought years ago it was impossible. But I think we've demonstrated that anything is possible if you've got the right mindset, the right culture, the right goals and objectives. I think the leader of any organization, how they conduct themselves, the people around you will feel that. And so if as a leader you're nervous and you're expressing nerves or anger or whatever, inevitably that gets taken out and that gets felt through an organization. So I often think that, you know, you want to be a little bit like a swan where you're gliding across the water, but underneath 
there's quite a little paddling that's going on. And I think that's hugely important because I think when you're in a position of leadership, everybody's looking up, everybody's looking at you. And of course, how you conduct yourself, yeah, that drives the culture. Now, of course, you know, I'm a competitive person and I will drive competitive and I'll push for what I believe. And, you know, you take people with you on that on that journey that we're there, you know, to compete, we're there to succeed. Visualization is an important technique. And I think that often if I visualize the cars, making a good start, seeing them through the first corner, I think, again, it's an important element. Quite often during the course of a weekend, I'll look at the podium and I'll visualize our drivers being on that podium. You know, you want to portray a positive energy. People feed off an energy. And I think as a team leader, it's in hugely important and how you carry yourself that you transmit that sense of positivity i think you've always got to think big you've got to shoot for shoot for the stars and you might land on the moon that's always the view that i've had i've always envisaged this team winning world championships winning races and i think then if you visualize something and you believe in it and you want it bad enough you can achieve anything you know, being told that's impossible doesn't exist in this team and it's a very much a can-do attitude a positive frame of mind and by creating a positive energy that just permeates through any organization communication is so important i think the most important thing is to be straight and honest and i think that people appreciate that and sometimes there's a difficult message in there but it's far better to be you know direct with it than to you know hide behind an issue and i think that effective communication is sometimes having the difficult conversations and being open and being honest and being, you know, sincere. You know, everybody has a role to play. You know, I think you have to walk a mile in people's shoes to understand sometimes the complexities that they have and the challenges that they have. We get together as a business after every single Grand Prix, good or bad, to celebrate success or talk about where we can be better, what's coming up, what's going on in the business. And I think just involving people in, in what is going on and communication is such a powerful tool that that is the most important element. Of course, and across the different departments, there's different checklists that go into building these hugely complex cars and how we go about operating during a, a Grand Prix weekend. And there's, there's procedures and so on. But sometimes, obviously, you have to think out of the box, you know, if a curveball is thrown at you. I love working in a team. And when everything comes together, it sounds a bit like the A-team. I mean, it's an amazing feeling. Because you know when the cars are winning races or running at the front of a Grand Prix, that means that every single department has delivered their part and uh, obviously working in harmony. And so it's having that respect that there is across the team, across the different departments, and an attitude of, of inclusiveness. I see that I have a responsibility. Anybody that wears our uniform, I feel incredibly responsible for and will always defend and protect to the best of my ability. I mean, when you see your cars come home in a one-two finish, that's everything coming together. And there's, you know, we've won over 90 races in our history. We've won 11 world championships. And I think there's so many moments in time that you see the team working together. And I think that's one of our strengths is that as a team, we are very galvanized and everybody knows their role. And there's a trust and a reliance on each other. There's no individuals in a team. It's that collective effort because if you don't have everybody doing their part, one piece of the chain will be missing and it will collapse. 
I think the biggest thing and the most rewarding thing ever to communicate to any driver is that they are the world champion. And thankfully, I've had the ability to do that six times. There are massive moments for the team, for the driver, for the, for the group, for all the partners that you represent, for every single member of the team that has put so much into achieving those results. And uh, that's the moment that everything has come together. That was the remarkable Christian Horner. And if you haven't already, I do recommend that you go back and listen to those episodes with Christian to get some very clear takeaways you can use in your daily life. And if you've enjoyed this uncut episode and want to hear more incredible guests, then subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. 